0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at ThriveCosmetics.com slash Thrive. That's ThriveCosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Thrive for 20% off your first order.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the
2: podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden
1: Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist.
2: In this episode, we're talking about
1: the history of Thanksgiving. So grab your turkey. And
2: let's get civical.
1: Ready, one two three hey everybody oh my god hi hello.
2: oh my god hello hello and and you to you wait adieu, is adieu goodbye
1: a jew is goodbye ah shit
2: all right well just hey just what's, say what's, a bonjour
1: bonjour bonjour bonjour
2: bonjour sorry to our french listeners you know french has never been my strength on this podcast I've been given the French words too many times, too
1: many times, too many times. Hello, how how is everybody the day before Thanksgiving? A full holiday. Can a you, do you full, feel it? A full-ass holiday in the time of Rona. It feels like the first, I know this is not the first holiday that we're experiencing, experiencing in the time of Rona, but it feels like the first one that F- like feels really affected by the sure. virus because easter i feel like everybody was like i don't know rona, just hit. Like, rona yeah. just hit like rona just hit like also it's a
2: very secular holiday
1: yes you know so
2: very very almost niche in a sense Yeah. just for the christians just
1: for yes. jesus
2: Yes. But it's also, I feel like a mind, it's a mind fuck for Thanksgiving because you're it, supposed to be giving thanks.
1: Yes. <laughs> giving thanks and giving being grateful thanks. for community. And and yeah. here we are. And here yeah, I'm we grateful. are. I'm grateful. I'm grateful I'm exactly for a community
2: out. that is literally my, my, my community. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for uh, my family and this bedroom, which has become my ultimate prison uh, that (laughs) I (laughs) simply live, work, and die in day in and day out. I'm grateful for my sun lamp that is doing the Lord's work while the sun is going down at 430. The sun goes down and my sun lamp goes on.
1: That's so nice. So does it mimic the sun? Is that what's supposed to
2: happen? Um. Yeah, it's, like, it's supposed to, yeah, it's supposed to mimic, there's some sort of, like, rays that it gives off, and that's supposed to help people with, like, seasonal depression, which I greatly suffer from, mm. like, help mediate the the harshness that it, because, like, seasonal depression, at least for me, comes on, like, like, a ton of bricks, especially when the sun starts going down yep. super early, and at the same time, like, It gets colder. And then like this, the weather has been super dreary. Like it hasn't been a ton of like bright, sunny cold, which is fine. Mm, It's uh been like overcasty, rainy cold. So that can also like make it worse. Yeah. So yeah, it's just supposed to like give your brain the sensation of like sunlight to help release. Mm. I don't know. Is it serotonin? Couldn't tell you. One of those, one of those those onins uh, to make you feel better. Does it work? Mm. I don't know, but it's, it could be a placebo effect.
1: Sure, sure. You could
2: be doing worse. I could be. I always could be doing worse. That's kind of like <laughs> the title
1: of my memoir is I could be ah. doing worse. <laughs> I love that. I think that that, I think it's great. I think you Thank should you. use it. Yep. Look,
2: I'm proactive. I'm proactive. I turn mm-hmm. on the light every day, every single day. I wake up and I go, on you go. It sure is daylight oh, yeah. right now, but let's just get both suns. Let's get all
1: the sunlight. <laughs> you can't have too much sun.
2: Can't have, you can't have, too, have too much, much sun. sun. You can't no. have too much sun. So, anyways, that's me. What are you
1: thankful for, Arden? I am mm, thankful for you know. I'm thankful for all of my friends. Okay, love. I'm thankful for uh, my family members. I'm thankful for. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm like thankful for. This is going to sound egotistical and conceited, but, like, I'm thankful for myself. Like, I think. That okay. I, not egotistical. I, Be
2: thankful grateful for self. I am
1: grateful for self. I'm grateful for, like, this year has been obviously hard in a lot of ways, as it has been for most everybody. It's also been, like, I've learned a lot this year. I've had new mm-hmm. experiences this year. Mm-hmm. I've done, you know. I started school this year. Yeah. Like there's huge, huge stuff and like, you know, and uh, grateful to still have a job, all of that stuff. Yeah. And so I'm just like grateful for all of the things, even like the not so great experiences I've had, like I'm still grateful for them because they taught me something and I've learned from them, but then grateful for my, myself and my ability to like, to be in a place where I can learn from things. Right. Right. And I think that's like, you know, that's not it's hard to be there sometimes. So I'm grateful that I, you know, embraced that moment in my life. And I'm grateful for the friends and the family who support me and love me and I love and support them. And we love that. Always and my for... car. I'm grateful uh, yeah, absolutely. for my grateful car. for my
2: car too. Oh so grateful. Yeah. Grateful for my car, so grateful, so grateful for my front bangs, obviously.
1: Yes. Uh, for obviously. Just
2: sort of doing the work by giving me a personality um without yeah. having to try. And I'm grateful. Yes. I'm grateful.
1: Yes. Uh, you do the edge comes off of you now in a way that it didn't before. There. It and is. That's quite all effortless. Need. Yeah. It's effortless.
2: effortless. I'm yeah. effortless. It's effortless. We're effortless. Mm-hmm. This is a podcast that is truly effortless. <laughs> Just kidding. This takes so much work. You guys, you have no idea. <laughs> it takes it
1: takes so much work. It takes so much work,
2: but we're so grateful to do it. We're grateful for you, the listeners, who tune yes. in day in and day out to listen to us talk about what we want to talk about and and yeah. learn from us learning from each other. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so eloquent. I'm amazing. That was so... You should be a speechwriter. An amazing speechwriter. Somebody hire me. I hear there's a lot of vacancies. <laughs> 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 but today we decided to do something on brand, on theme, and we're going to talk about the history, or the herstory, of Thanksgiving.
1: Yes, we are. Because it has a herstory. I was really- it has a history and it's not the history that we learned as children Mm-mm. and you know i feel like i knew a little bit more about the story than than i you know like i learned over the years more about the story than i had when i was in school as a kid but definitely did not know all of the details mm-hmm. and it's funny cuz i have i have some french friends and a few of them have been in the states uh, like around the time of thanksgiving And they've asked me, like, what is the story of this holiday? Like, what's the deal? And it's, and because they don't have that holiday. Right. And it's always been a little like, well, the pilgrims and the Indians, you know, like the Mm -hmm. pilgrims and the Native Americans or the indigenous Americans. Uh And you kind of like, you try to explain it, and it's just like, there's just silence. Yeah. Because it's, Hard it's so hard to explain. So hard to explain. And and we're and we're not taught the like the the actual details of it and where the holiday actually came from and what it's supposed to mean. So So that's what we're gonna do today. Yeah, that's what we're gonna do today. History of Thanksgiving. So I So let's okay, so let's compare stories. Like okay. when I was when I was a kid, and I'm sure you did this too, like, you make the, like, the turkey handprints. The turkey handprints, hand sure. With the feathers. Yeah. And you write your name in it. It's all super cute. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, I'm sure there are pictures someplace of, like, little second grade me being surrounded by, like, the boys in the pilgrim hats and, like, all of that stuff. hmm But I think growing up, like, I just, you know... We were taught the story of that. It was like this big amicable feast and and they came together and it was amazing. And it's about two groups of people who, you know, helped each other and differences, put aside their differences and their conflicts and came together to like celebrate food and community and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And some of that is true. Like there's like nuggets, sure. kernels of truth in some of that, but it's such a I don't know like what it is what what was your experience growing up?
2: No, it was very similar. Uh, handprints. Uh, you know, I was in sort of my primary education when I was living in Texas. So we we even mm. went as far as having you know um, sort of now looking back uh, problematic headdresses as well. You know, like homemade. Ah, uh, right? sure, sure. Of course, yes. yes. And yeah, to me, like in my memory of what it was, it was like the pilgrims were these super generous people Mm -hmm. who were sharing their table with the Native Americans who, you know, were depicted as, you know, as as like the stereotypical Native Americans that we saw. It's like they were they were invited as guests to the pilgrims yes. home yes 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 uh yes. and and that that what it was a very peaceful event and and it was like you said like sort of two households both like in dignity uh in fair plymouth where we lay our scene we- <laughs> <laughs> so not a lot about it to me like what i definitely remember that is obviously now problematic was like That the Pilgrims had ownership over the land and it was there. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was, they were the protagonists of this story, right? And it was always told in the perspective of the Pilgrims, not the perspective of the Native Americans. So that definitely Mm -hmm. was, was what I was taught. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't have a lot of, even more detail than that. It was just like, you, you go to your family's house and you give thanks Yep. For whatever. And there's a turkey. God knows why. and God knows why. And, you know. Oh, actually,
1: we'll we'll find out why. Thank
2: God. uh, And other, you know, know, stereotypical dishes. And you always eat that. And that, you know, that's
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and like, but it's, you know, we hear the story of the first, what we, like, what we're told is the first Thanksgiving. But like, it also, I always had a hard time connecting it to. What was happening in the present sure. because it's not like, you know, you go and you have dinner with your – generally with your family, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like in New York City, we tend to do like Friendsgiving. Right. So everybody – you know, like you go to a friend's apartment and you bring a dish and it's – you like some of the best Thanksgivings I had were the ones when I first moved to New York because I got to meet people I had never met before mm-hmm. because everybody like brought a random friend. And it was really great. But, like, aside from those experiences, the idea of, like, these two groups kind of coming together, like, even in the most, like, idealistic version of that event is not really how we celebrate Thanksgiving now. Now sure. it's, like, about going to families and, and like, kind of insular and being with people yeah, who yeah, you yeah. kind of – In theory, not – I mean, this isn't true for everybody, but, like, people who you already know really well and potentially get along with. But, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's an interesting, it's interesting what we've chosen to take from that story. Right. Much more interesting what we've left out of that story. Right. We
2: sort of made it our own,
1: really. We really, we really, you know, got creative and took creative license with it and made it our own. And so we're going to talk about like the real story of Thanksgiving, what happened, who was there, who was involved. And we're going to talk about the impact that Thanksgiving has had on what I have now – I mean, I – also, in, like, researching this episode, I was like, what do we call (laughs) – the Native Americans, like what do they want to be called? Sure. Because Ballad. it's changed Ballad. and it's not like, you know, we used to call them Indians and then the thing became Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I read some story, some article a couple years ago that was like, we don't like to be called Native Americans. We want to be called Indians because that's what people have referred to us as. Mm-hmm. So I did another search and the term that kept coming up was Indigenous Americans. Sure. Sure. So that's what I've kind of used. That's the term that I've used. So hopefully that is acceptable. Sure. And I feel like we're like, we're trying.
2: Right. If it's not and if you're somebody who believes that it should be a different term, let us know. We are yeah. here to learn and adapt and adjust, but I think that yes. I feel good saying Indigenous, so that's what we'll do yeah. for today. And if we need to Great. adjust, we will always adjust moving forward. we we'll adjust. Happy we'll to adjust. adjust. So before we jump in, uh, Arden, do you want to go through the... The sources.
1: Ah, yes. The sources. So a lot of this is coming from various news articles. I'm talking about the history of Thanksgiving and debunking Thanksgiving, myths of of Thanksgiving. So one is a Washington Post article by Valerie Strauss. Mm -hmm. I did tap into National Geographic Kids because they have As some you should. good info.
2: You literally <laughs> legally have to.
1: <laughs> you have to. You have to. There has to be a kid's website in any sourced in every episode. There's a great article from the New York Times by Maya Salam. Love. There is a great handout from the National Museum of the American Indian that talks about like the specific tribe of uh, Indigenous Americans who were present mm-hmm. for the, the harvest feast that we now call the first Thanksgiving. It was a really great handout about like community and their culture. A Smithsonian Magazine article by Claire Bugos. I hope I'm saying your last name right. Thank you, Claire. Claire, thank you for the for the article and a Newsweek article by Kelly Wynn. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. So
2: let's talk about the real story, and we're going to start with, of course, the settlers. The settlers. So this stuff is coming from Nat Geo Kids, which I'm so excited. So excited. Yes. Yeah. The people who comprised the Plymouth colony were a group of English Protestants called Puritans who wanted to break away from the Church of England. These, quote, separatists initially moved to Holland. Oh my gosh. So, like, went from England to Holland. Then they were like, you know what? Let's go west. Let's go west. But after 12 years of financial problems, they received funding from English merchants to sail across the Atlantic Ocean in 1620 to settle in a new world. Carrying 101 men, women, and children, the Mayflower traveled the ocean for 66 days and was supposed to land where New York City is now located. I I know where this is going. But yes. windy conditions forced the group to cut their trip short and settle at what is now Cape Cod, Massachusetts. So fun fact, yeah. I've been to the Plymouth Rock, which is basically a rock that says Plymouth in like Cape Cod, Massachusetts. It's very oh my goodness. It's very unceremonious. There's like a, a like a box around it. You don't, I don't think it I think it's one of those situations where this is not the rock, you know, but they were like, we need a rock. To we need a rock. The rock. So this is the yeah. rock. But yeah. I've been there. I've
1: been there. Oh my goodness! So those
2: are our settlers coming through through the May, coming over through the Mayflower. Love to yep. see it. Yeah. Then we have the indigenous Americans. As the Puritans prepared for the winter, they also gathered anything they could find, including Wampanoag supplies. When the English established their colony at Plymouth, they encountered a group of people who lived in a communal way. The Wampanoag defined themselves by their environment and were bound into a strong community by a shared knowledge of their forested coastal home, their cultural practices, and their language. The same sense of community is integral to Native cultures throughout the Western Hemisphere. Native communities traditionally place a high value on social relationships. The needs of the community were met through the efforts of all, and all were expected to contribute. So obviously... They have this very strong sense of community, strong yep. tribal sense of community, and the Wampanoag yep. is obviously this the indigenous the tribe, tribe, the indigenous tribe depicted yeah. in the first Thanksgiving. One day, Samoset, a leader of the Abenaki people, and Tisquantum, better known as Squanto, visited the settlers. Squanto was a Wampanoag who had experience with other settlers and knew English. Squanto helped the settlers grow corn and used fish to fertilize their fields. After several meetings, a formal agreement was made between the settlers and the native people. And in March of 1621, they joined together to protect each other from other tribes. This is all still coming from Nat Geo for kids. Yeah. And so a little deeper dive into the history of Squanto. Because it's not as pleasant as Nat Geo kids would have you believe. Of course it's not. And this is coming from the New York Times article. It's not Yeah. So he did play a large role in helping the pilgrims as American children are taught. His people had lived on the site where the pilgrims settled. When they arrived, he became a translator for them in diplomacy and trade with other Native people and showed them the most effective method for planting corn and the best locations to fish. According to Kate Sheehan, a spokeswoman for the Plymouth Plantation, which is a living history museum in Plymouth, He was captured by the English in 1614 and later sold into slavery in Spain. Mrs. Sheehan, who's the spokeswoman, said he spent several years in England where he learned English. He returned to New England in 1619 only to find his entire original tribe dead from smallpox. And he met the pilgrims two years later in March of 1621. So, yeah, not what we're taught. We are not taught his origin story at all. Why? Because
1: then we have to ask, how did smallpox get there? Hmm. How did smallpox get there? How did it get there? Tell me about the years in enslavement. Like, I want to know why he was let go. Like, I want, there's so much to unpack. Right. In that, in that exchange. But we never get told that stuff. We just get told, like. He knew English. He, he held like, us. How corn? did this man know English?
2: He taught us how to fish. Oh. Yeah, where? Mm-hmm. How, where did he learn English?
1: Where did he learn English? He oh, did just he was pick enslaved. it
2: up. Yes, of course. Yes, of
1: course. Yes, yes. So that's a bit of background on the like where the pilgrims were coming from, where the indigenous Americans, you know, the specific tribe that was local to the area where they were coming from, a little bit about their background and the most. Notable member of that tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, so then let's talk about what ha- happened at this first quote, Thanksgiving. What ha- happened? What ha- happened? So one day, uh, this is all still coming from Nat Geo Kids, and then a little bit later will be uh, a Washington Post article. So one day that fall, four settlers were sent to hunt for food for a harvest celebration. The Wampanoag heard shots and alerted their leader, Masawat, who thought the English might be preparing for war. So the native, the uh, indigenous Americans are out hunting, they hear gunshots, and they're like, these motherfuckers are coming for us. Right. They're here. They're here. They're coming for us. They thought they were preparing for war. So Masawat mm-hmm. visited the English settlement with 90 of his men to see if the war rumor was true. And I just love this because I love that this leader was like, hold up. Hold on. Let's not create drama Wait where there's no minute. drama being had. Mm-hmm. Let's take mm-hmm. a breath. Let's go investigate. Let's look at Inhale, the evidence. Exhale. Inhale, Mm -hmm. exhale, let's center ourselves and get the full picture. So soon after their visit, the Native Americans realized that the English were only hunting for their harvest celebration. Mm -hmm. Massawat sent some of his own men to hunt deer for the feast, and for three days, the English and the Native men, women, and children ate together. The meal consisted of deer, corn... Shellfish and roasted meat, different from today's traditional Thanksgiving feast. They played ball games, sang, and danced.
2: Okay, sounds lovely.
1: Sounds lovely. I
2: love this. Sounds
1: cute. I I I can get down with some venison and some shellfish. That sounds great. Sure. Although prayers and thanks were probably offered at the 1621 harvest. Again, this is coming from Nat Geo, who really, really wants to lean into this like good-natured, good-spirited side mm-hmm. of this exchange. The first recorded religious Thanksgiving Day in Plymouth happened two years later in 1623. And on this occasion, the colonists gave thanks to God for rain after a two-month drought.
2: Sure, as you as you do. As you would. As you do. As you do. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you
1: for the Thank rain. You. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. Historians, including those at Plymouth Plantation, again, a living museum in Plymouth, Massachusetts, say that they do not know that they're... So they do know that there was a feast that year in 1623 shared by the colonists and the Wampanoag Indians and Squanto. But one historical account of the actual dinner says that venison was served and some sort of fowl, but it doesn't specifically mention turkey. I think that would have, I'm guessing like a pheasant, maybe a duck. Probably Right? Something would have been like accessible near the water.
2: Right. 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 You know? It's like, come on. I I'm my money's on pheasant.
1: I on pheasant, pumpkin. Uh, this is from the Wapo article. Pumpkin was available, but it is not likely that the colonists whipped up a pie. Not likely. Not likely. Considering, not likely. Considering no ovens and I don't know sort where of you, know anything. So sort of know anything. No, sh- I mean maybe they had certainly no Pillsbury pie crust. God, no. Furthermore, sweet potatoes were unknown to the colonists and shame. cranberries. I know, it's really a shame. And cranberries may have been served, but not as a relish.
2: <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. It's Thank you, important. Wapo. I know. Thank you, Wapo, for being it's, like, you know what? I don't think they baked a pie. It's like, no shit. No shit. No Sherlock. shit.
1: No shit. I love, but we got to get the important details right. Yeah, of course. There not. were no sweet potatoes.
2: There were no sweet potatoes. If you think for one second that sweet potatoes were served at the OG Thanksgiving, (laughs) get a clue. Get a clue. Get a clue. No. Like,
1: wake up. Yes. So this is coming now from a a New York Times article by Maya Salam. So she uh, interviewed a few people. And one of the people that she interviewed was this guy, James Lowen, who is a sociologist and author of Lies That My Teacher Told Me, Everything Your American History Textbook Got Wrong. And he told the, I mean, which is a book that I would love to read. We simply have to read it. We simply, we simply have read to read it. He told the New York Times, quote, it's been taught that the pilgrims came because they were seeking religious freedom, but that's not entirely true.
2: No. Shock.
1: Shock. What? oh <laughs> I'm almost as shocked as learning that there was no pumpkin pie at the first Thanksgiving. Sure. I am shocked and dismayed. The pilgrims had religious freedom in Holland, where they first arrived in the early 17th century, like Lizzie said before. Like those who settled in Jamestown, Virginia in 1607, the pilgrims came to North America to make monies. Which is like the,
2: that's the American dream. I don't know why we push the religion thing. I'm like, this sounds more like us than anything.
1: This is u.s. dot money. This is u.s.
2: We're coming here to make money. I'm coming yep. here to make friends. Like, come on. No, no, I got mouths to feed. Let's go. Prayer. I can
1: pray anywhere. Money. I can pray that anywhere. I can get in Prayer Holland. day
2: keeps the doctor away. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.
1: Where's my money? They were also coming to to the colonies in order to establish a religious theocracy, which he did, says Mister. Lowen that it's not exactly the same as coming here for religious freedom. It's kind of like coming here against religious freedom. So <laughs> we want more power to establish our
2: religion. Yes. Is basically what he wanted. They yeah.
1: wanted like a, like a conclave or whatever that word. Sure. Yeah. Like they I wanted
2: want a conclave for God's I, sakes.
1: Listen, give me a, give me a house. I will make a conclave. Do you know what will be mm-hmm. the guiding force of that conclave? Fresh bread and cheese. If you are on board With a cheese plate and some fresh baked bread, I am your leader. I would like to be a part of your conclave. Great. Thank you. You are welcome. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. He also says, I love that he throws this in here. He's like, also, the pilgrims never called themselves pilgrims. They were separatists. Sure.
2: Sure. Sure. I mean, pilgrims sound so lame. Pilgrim? Pilgrims? Like, hey, I'm a pilgrim. Or, hey, I'm a separatist. I'm yes. here to fuck shit, shit
1: up. up. Yes. As opposed to pilgrims. I don't know. What do you stand for? Pilgrims. The term pilgrims did not surface until around 1880. Sure. Contrary to popular depictions, there are about 90 native people in attendance at what we like to think of as the first Thanksgiving. Almost double the number of pilgrims by some accounts. Mm.
2: Ain't at it a large table? Yeah. That's a partay. That's a gathering. That you is know?
1: more than 10. That is more than 10.
2: We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors.
0: You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals?
1: So, just debunking a few more of the myths, Puritans are also thought of as having silver buckles on their shoes and wearing somber black clothing. <laughs> their attire was actually bright and cheerful with no shoe buckles.
2: <laughs> with no shoe buckles. Who, who Who's put the buckle in? St- I
1: don't who know. Who did it? Who
2: was like, you know what this outfit is missing? A, a giant big buckle.
1: Ass fucking buckle. A giant buckle on the
2: shoe. Somebody took some creative liberties Mm -hmm. and and we're suffering for it even today.
1: Yes. All of the kids who are forced to dress up as pilgrims. Some those parents got to find big ass buckles. That is so silly. There's also some myths about the Native Americans. They actually didn't wear woven blankets on their shoulders and large feathered headdresses, even though some artworks portray this.
2: I mean, that is just obviously stereotypes. Yeah. Coming out of the wazoo, not surprising for our U.S. dot artists to sort of take those liberties.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: buckle, I don't get. The buckle, I really don't get. I don't get what you would... achieve with the buckle. I mean, it does make them seem very Puritan. Sure. Do you like? It makes them seem very buttoned up, shall we say, and very like there's right like the in, in a stark buckles.
2: contrast with yes. the Native Americans with their headdresses and all the yes. other stereotypical stuff that we throw on them for sure. For sure. There is a contrast there. I see it. I'm all about it. So with that said, let's talk about the impact on indigenous Americans. Probably to me, what is the most important part of this episode? So this stuff is still, uh, it's going to be coming from the Nat Geo stuff and also the Newsweek article by Kelly Wynn. So first from Nat Geo. The peace between the Native Americans and settlers lasted for only a generation. The Wampanoag people do not share in the popular reverence for the traditional New England Thanksgiving. For them, the holiday is a reminder of betrayal and bloodshed. Since 1970, many Native people have gathered at the statue of Massanoet in Plymouth, Massachusetts, each Thanksgiving day to remember their ancestors and the strength of the Wampanoag. This is called the National Day of Mourning, and this is coming from the Newsweek article. It is a, quote, day of protest by Native Americans on the East Coast who visit Coles Hill, which overlooks Plymouth Rock in Plymouth, Massachusetts, to remember that famous first Thanksgiving from a different perspective. The National Day of Mourning was established to remember the Native American suffering that occurred when the Mayflower landed. A plaque at Cole Hill explains that view, quote, Thanksgiving Day is a reminder of the genocide of millions of their people, the theft of their lands, and the relentless assault on their cultures. Mm -hmm. Participants in National Day of Mourning honor Native ancestors and the struggles of Native peoples to survive today. The National Day of Mourning, which looks at Thanksgiving from a different perspective, was spawned from a speech that was given in 1970. Suda Frank James, the leader of the Aquanaw, Wampanoag tribe wanted to share his true feelings at Plymouth Thanksgiving in 1970. He wasn't allowed to speak for fear that it would create an even larger divide between the Native Americans and the Americans in attendance. The text of his speech, which was to take place 350 years after the first Thanksgiving, turned organizers off. Well,
1: sure. Well, sure. They're celebrating, quote, the first Thanksgiving, and they won't let the guy who's the leader of what is now left of this tribe speak speak at the fear that they're going to be
2: like, he's going to drop some truth bombs and it's going to make, it's going to make the non-Native Americans really uncomfortable. And it's not going to be nice. You know, what's uncomfortable smallpox in a blanket, honey, that's what sucks. that is really uncomfortable. So his speech, a segment of it reads quote, this is a time of celebration for you celebrating an anniversary of a beginning for the white man in America. A time of looking back, of reflection. It is with a heavy heart that I look back upon what happened to my people. Even before the pilgrims landed, it was common practice for explorers to capture Indians, take them to Europe, and sell them as slaves for 220 shillings apiece. The pilgrims had hardly explored the shores of Cape Cod for four days before they had robbed the graves of my ancestors and stolen their corn and beans. End quote. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're t- we're telling we're a a completely different story has been adopted mm-hmm. and accepted and mainstreamed, mm-hmm. you know. Yep, and it's you know, it's not it's not trendy to talk about like what actually
1: happened, or like to talk about. I mean, we can talk about what because it sounds to me like the actual event of the feast was actually a nice event. Was fine, right? Was fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, it's like
2: you can't talk about that individual event without the
1: larger context. Yes. It's the it's the you know? lack of addressing it within the larger context that I think is where we make a grave mistake and go astray and don't honor the history, the full history of the people whose land and communal property we just straight up stole.
2: Mm-hmm. So this is coming from the Smithsonian Magazine article. When the Pilgrims landed in Plymouth in 1620, the chief offered the new arrivals an entente, primarily as a way to protect the Wampanoags against their rivals, the Narragansetts. For 50 years, the alliance was tested by colonial land expansion, the spread of disease on Wampanoag land. Then tensions ignited into war, known as King Philip's War, or the Great Narragansett War, Mm -hmm. the conflict devastated the Wampanoags and forever shifted the balance of power in favor of European arrivals. Wampanoags today remember the Pilgrims' entry to their homeland as a day of deep mourning rather than a moment of giving thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's important to note that, like, the other side of this, the Wampanoags, like, there's the Pilgrims. Yeah. and, And the Wampanoags, right? And it's important to note that the
1: Wampanoags do not view this the same way
2: as the rest of this united states uh, does
1: yes and in some ways like what they were doing and engaging in what is basically a peace treaty with Mm -hmm. the the colonists who were arriving to unite with them against this other tribe that they were at war with is like a very kind of natural thing to do right like right. to enter into treaties and to find allies I mean we do that today that's a very natural thing right. to do
2: but let's talk about how thanksgiving became a thing cuz it is a thing it's a it's whole a thing, it's thing. A like thing. we were talking about it at the top now it's become this huge thing that is like we don't even talk like i would i would guarantee that 98% of americans celebrating thanksgiving have no idea who the eggs are yes. so it has obviously become so much more than than this origin story of the pilgrims and the Wampanoag tribe so Mm -hmm. take it
1: away yes so in 1789 George Washington declared Thursday November 26th a Thanksgiving holiday but only for that year and it wasn't connected to the pilgrim feast that we've been talking about but rather intended as a quote public Thanksgiving and prayer close quote Devoted to, quote, the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, close quote, forever and ever, Amen. I mean. (laughs) Seems like, it seems like it was a slow year for George. I think it was a slow year. It's
2: like, like, I'm, he was done with his hobbies, you know, he was like, I don't know, man, like, I'm just kind of like bored over here. Like, maybe, maybe I'll just try, maybe I'll make a holiday. Maybe we'll do a holiday. And his cabinet members are like, yeah, George, you, you make a holiday. You make a holiday. Yep. And you just tell us what you want it to be. And we're, and it's good. And they're over here, like, creating banks and stuff. And they're like, we're just going to have George make a holiday. You know, like. <laughs> Whatever, he, whatever George wants to do, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Harmless. That's fine. Harmless fun. And George is like, okay, I want to make a holiday. I want to make it a one-time-only holiday. And I want it to say this. Write this down. Write this down. And this poor little guy is, like, writing this down. And he was, the probably the poor little guy is like, you, you sure you don't want to edit that down? You know, kind of, like, concise it? Make it a little, a little more streamlined? <laughs> He's like, no, no. I No, think, it's good. I think, it's like, good. Give thanks for the service of the great and glorious being who is the... Beneficient, what's the word author and of all the good people that was that is and that will be boom and everybody was
1: like uh, whatever you need george like sure yeah whatever you sure, need for sure. yourself, we're trying to build same. banks over here yeah, like yeah, you just yeah.
2: you just you keep us posted on this holiday
1: <laughs> yes you let us know where you it. land on that i love
2: it i love when george put, puts his hand in the pot i really do
1: yeah, so this was George's big idea. He intended it to be just the one time, just, you know, give thanks to God. This is all coming from uh, the WAPO article, I should say, by Valerie Strauss. So George, you know, he had a great idea. He ran with it for a year. Enter a 19th century author, poet, and magazine editor named Sarah Josephina Hale. She was the editor of an influential magazine called Gotti's Ladies Book. Uh, yes. She did that for about 40 years, from 1837 to ni- to 1877, when she was nearly 90 years old. Go off, girl. You go, girl. Get it. You get Such it. Such a fan. You, I mean,
2: starting at 50, I mean, yes. We have Love time. it. It's never too late, ladies. Let nobody
1: keep you down. You, too, mm-hmm. at 90 years old, can fight for a national holiday and win your fight. Get yours, girl. So Hale, who was highly patriotic, read about the 1621 Feast of the Pilgrims and became captivated with the idea of turning it into a national holiday. In the magazine, she published recipes for turkey and stuffing and pumpkin pie and started traditions that had nothing to do with the colonists. And we should say or... The indigenous Americans.
2: Exactly right. I am not about re- rewriting this history, but we do have to honor the fact that this one woman mm-hmm. was like just changed the course of culinary history for this day by being like, I want turkey, mm-hmm. I want, I want stuffing, I want pie, and that's it. And that's she it. Put it in this book, and everybody was like, Oh my gosh! Now that is etched in stone. Etched
1: in stone. You are a genius. Genius. This woman. She has no idea what she did. She has no idea. She has no legacy. idea. No idea. She was like, literally, legacy. I was
2: just hungry. Yes. Was having a craving. Yes. I didn't think you guys would do this every year. every year.
1: <laughs> my God. Um, so she began to lobby uh she began a lobbying campaign to persuade President Abraham Lincoln to make Thanksgiving an official annual holiday using her magazine to build public support by writing an editorial every year, starting in 1846. Honey, get yours. Get yours. Get Get yours. yours. I mean... Dang. I I, I applaud her. I I do, too.
2: Like, go off. I mean, you know, wow.
1: Yeah. It just goes to show, like, if I really wanted a national holiday, all you got to do is, like, find some moment that, like, you can kind of skew, come up with a good menu... And know some people on the inside.
2: It always comes back to the food. It It always comes back to the food. food.
1: It's all about the menu. If you've got a shitty menu, like I think more people would be on board. Right. You're not going to get a holiday. I think more people would be on board with like Easter if it had like, or whatever, pick like a non, you can pick like a different holiday, but like even like our, um, like American holidays, you know, 4th of July and Memorial Day, Labor Day, all of those are like Hamburgers, hot dogs, potato right. salads. Because the menu. Like, Cause the menu. Cause the menu's strong. You're right. You're picking men- up something.
2: You're picking I, up on something.
1: Strong menus. Strong menus. And Halloween
2: candy. Strong candy, menus. I mean not an actual holiday, but like yeah.
1: a holiday for sure. A holiday, for sure. For sure. But like candy. I mean, it's all about the food. It's all it's about the food. It. Yeah. Listen, we should just try it. We should like we should get us we should get ourselves our own holiday. <laughs>
2: Honestly, let's make it election day and let's try. Let's do I want I want wine. I want cheese. I want pizza. I want tacos. I want I want all. Yep. I want a menu of all the things that I binge eat when I'm depressed. And that's our election day menu. Oh,
1: my God. I guarantee you more people would vote if at the end of it, it was like you started the day with your voting and then you got to go home and it was like. Do like we have the election day menu prepared? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like if you have who's, buy... who's doing the
2: tacos. Who is doing the Grandma? tacos?
1: Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> this we're on to something, I swear to God. Grandma's I know, bringing I the know tacos. We're onto something. We're
2: always on to something. We're always on to something. Nobody guys, listen to us. Just follow our lead.
1: Wow. Election day menu. This is this is this is This big. is key. Somebody somebody tell Call them this campaign. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. We're on it. She also, so this is Hale, the woman who's creating Thanksgiving, basically. She also sent letters to all of the governors in the United States and territories. Get yours. In 1863, Lincoln did set Thanksgiving as an official holiday to be celebrated on the fourth Thursday of November of every year. She succeeded. She succeeded. Nevertheless. No. He was like, okay, I get it. You know what I'm trying to do? Prevent the union from splitting up. Do you, Can you take this thing? I mean, like, maybe he thought it was a great idea. Let's bring people together.
2: Yeah. Give thanks union. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm so sure. Yeah. Or he was like, I've got to get this woman off my back. <laughs> yes. Hail <laughs> I'm so again. Yeah. She's riding the governors now. Like, this
1: is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Just give her what she wants so she can stop. I love yeah. it. It just never yeah. goes to show you that too, like, no request is too petty. This one was like, right. I want a national holiday. Want a national holiday. I want a national holiday. A national give holiday. Yeah. Give it to me. FDR uh, tried to mess with Thanksgiving a little bit. Of course he did. Yeah. Couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. I mean, pack the cord, Gotta get in there. Change Thanksgiving. Who did Let's go. Let's go. In 1939, uh, President Roosevelt agreed to move the annual Thanksgiving holiday to the third Thursday of November. Whoa! He moved it up a week. He wanted to quote help the economy economy by making the Christmas shopping season a little bit longer. There was so much opposition to the move that two years later he changed it back to the fourth Thursday in November.
2: I mean, imagine being like in the throes, right? Like in the very in like the very beginning of World War II. and. And people are in an uproar about the fact that Thanksgiving is on the third day, or the third Thursday of the month, and not the fourth. Like count your like count your blessings, people. Yes. Do you, you know, know what you should be grateful for having a
1: Thanksgiving?
2: Having a Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah. Love that. Yeah. The so there's uh so that's you know how we got Thanksgiving as we know it now. So it's like not even really connected to this like holiday this. Feast that we barely talk about and don't really remember. I mean, it was used as like a launching pad to tell the story. But really, Thanksgiving came from this woman who was like, I want pie and 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 turkey. And so the thing that started is just I find so hilarious is the presidential turkey pardoning. Oh,
2: my God.
1: I know. And I thought I thought I would end on this note just to, like, bring some levity to the situation Not that we shouldn't remember all of the things that we've talked about, but I do at the end of the day think that, like, if you take, you know, you can, if you take Thanksgiving for the holiday of, you know, being with family and friends and being grateful for what you have and, and use it as like a a holiday of humility, I think Mm. that that is uh, an appropriate perspective to, from which to celebrate Thanksgiving. So the presidential turkey pardoning is just like, you know, a coda on the whole situation. There is a myth about uh, how the presidential turkey pardoning started. And then it started with one Abe Lincoln when his son begged him to save the, the animal that was going to be eaten for the holiday. Sure. Like most things with, uh, you know, all of the lore around Lincoln, it's actually it goes all the way back to 1989. <laughs> When President George H.W. Bush officially pardoned the first Thanksgiving turkey. Oh,
2: Papa Bush. At least he got that.
1: I know. You know? He got got one tradition. At least he
2: got the first one. This is it.
1: According to lore, in 1863, Lincoln's 10-year-old son, Tad, supposedly became fond of a turkey given to the family for a holiday feast. Tad named the turkey Jack. As you do. As you do. And begged his father to save the animal, Lincoln did. The only problem with that as a Thanksgiving story is that Tad's plea was to save the Christmas turkey.
2: Not Thanksgiving turkey. Two not different Thanksgiving. turkeys. Two Thanksgiving, two Thanksgiving turkey? Tad didn't care about Thanksgiving turkey. No.
1: Thanksgiving turkey? Dead. 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 He, did, he didn't have Jack for Thanksgiving. Jack Mm-mm. was a Christmas turkey that was given to the family. So that's there you have it. It did Debunked. not start with Lincoln. It started with George H.W. Bush with Papa Bush. And now, ever since then, we've pardoned turkeys. I do think it's weird that they, like, <laughs> they give the president, like, two turkeys and he pardons one. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Pardon both yeah. those turkeys. Right. That just I seems weird. I just don't weird. like that they, like, talk to the
2: turkey. You know? I Like, I pardon you, turkey. It's like, don't talk to it. Just say, I pardon the turkey. Like, talk <laughs> out. Speak out. <laughs> Speak to the audience of people. Like, don't talk to the turkey. Don't talk it's to the weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. weird. like, it's I weird. pardon you. Yeah. turkey. It's yes. like, no, we don't need to pardon the turkey. Uh, you know, just pardon it to the global audience. There you go. You know what I mean? But yeah, what What's... what an odd what an odd tradition to go from to go from the Mayflower and get all the way to pardoning
1: a turkey. It's a wild. turkey. It's U.S. Dot at its core. At its core, quite frankly. At its core. At its core. I really want to write this. <laughs> I want to I write like a Pixar short film about the turkeys. I think that would be so funny. because you like just imagine them being like brought to the White House? Like, oh they're my all excited. They're so excited. We're going to meet the president.
2: Can you what? believe
1: it? Oh and my God. Find out they're
2: in trouble. They're in Crazy.
1: trouble. Yep. Yeah, no, it'd be a cute, it'd be a cute little Pixar for sure. I love it. I'm going to write it. You guys, that is the history of Thanksgiving. Obviously, there's like, we could have done a huge deep dive. This is scratching the surface of the history of Thanksgiving, but it does give us more information aside from the people with the buckles invited the people right. with the headdresses at least we got to have dinner. we got the shoe buckle stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, definitely. Definitely a lot more. Yes. A uh, lot more in- information than we were taught in school. Yeah. yeah. At all. But, uh, but yeah, that's our episode. Happy Thanksgiving. We hope that you are... We hope you are celebrating from, as Arden said, a place of humility and understanding that this uh, <laughs> this holiday does have a long and deep history that we should respect and know about. But uh, we do hope that you are happy, healthy, and staying safe. Please yep. stay safe. Please yes. wash your hands and wear your masks. Yes. And we will see you next Wednesday.
1: Goodbye.